0: Hey, y'all, and uh, good morning. I had uh, I told myself that I wasn't gonna look up during this, and I've made a mistake, and so now I'm about to go off script. Uh, as I look out, I see a beautiful, sunshiny day. I see smiling faces. I see love. And y'all, uh, I know many of you have been praying for me for weeks. Some of you, especially for today, and I'm humbled. Words can't express how thankful I am. Many of you know I'm not comfortable here, but that's okay, so thank you. Uh, I'd also like to thank David and and John David for allowing me to share with you this morning, and John David for your help. Uh, Let me ask you a question. What gives you awe? I'll give you a moment to think about it. Maybe it's a, a beautiful sunrise or just a, a wonderful sunset. Maybe it's the, the vastness of the oceans or the, or the majesty of the mountains. Maybe it's something more artistic, like you know something visual or, or beautiful music, something of that nature. Or maybe it's a walk in the woods or nature And Maybe some of you ever a little bit nerdy like I am and it's the fact that in most instances our lungs breathe and our hearts beat and Our brains process information without any effort on our own part Let me ask you one more question What are you afraid of again another moment? I'll share with you that some of the top fears that people share around the world are acrophobia, a fear of heights, or arachnophobia, a fear of spiders. I get that one. Maybe it's ophidophobia, fear of snakes. Perhaps it's trypanophobia, fear of shots or injections. I get that one too. Or maybe it's one of the social phobias, Perhaps it's a fear of speaking in public. For some odd reason, I understand that one. Uh, My primary text this morning is gonna be from Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. To be transparent with you all this morning, I've experienced it when teaching, and I've heard that it's not uncommon when preaching to come under significant temptation about the same subject matter that uh, you're gonna be speaking on. And and I'll let you know that that's an absolute certainty today. Uh, To start with, there was some fear that uh, we'll talk about a little bit later, but that was relatively short-lived. The significant fear came in understanding that we're presenting the Word of God. There's a gravity and a responsibility in that sharing of the Word that is significant. You see, God takes that seriously, and so should we. So, for that reason, anytime someone stands up here or, or in Sunday school or in a Bible study, I think we ought to be praying for them. We need to be praying that uh, they would be motivated by a love of God and of His Word. And be that John David on a regular basis, or or Andy, or uh, David, or even myself, we need to pray that there's a strong reverence for the Lord and His Word. We need to pray that nothing would be added to it, nothing would be taken away, nothing would be changed. And we need to pray that God Himself would be honored by the Word spoken. Would you pray with me? Father, as we are here this morning, we pray that your word would become very real to each of us. Father, that nothing would be added, taken away, edited in any way. Father, we pray that you would be honored. Father, we pray that you would reach our hearts. Father, we've all had weeks. We ask that you would take away the distraction of our weeks. That you would let us concentrate on you father we pray that i would be a conduit and father that i would fade away that your word would be the important thing father we thank you it's in the name of christ jesus we pray amen a couple of weeks ago john david finished a sermon on leadership and the characteristics that we look for in leaders and really all true believers and then he he did a single sermon on psalm 34 why we worship last week david spoke from psalm 33 on praise and this week i'm speaking about the fear of the lord y'all we uh, we didn't discuss this this order of events that we're having here but you see we worship a god of order and not of chaos and that synchronicity alone causes me awe, and that causes me to worship and praise and in the words of my dear friend Dave Erickson God is good all the time so again Proverbs 1 7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction This is the beginning of the book of Proverbs and sets a major tone for the rest of the book. And and that verse may sound familiar to you, the fear of the Lord, but maybe it sounds a little bit different or you remember it in a different place than Proverbs 1.8. Well, that's because it's throughout the Bible. Uh, The first mention that we see is in Job 28.28. We'll talk about that a minute later, but it's likely something that Solomon knew he knew that verse and potentially was referencing it here we see it again in Proverbs 9:10. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding we see it in Isaiah 33 and 6 toward the end the fear of the Lord is his treasure there's more that could be listed but I, I believe at this point we understand and see it. Uh, The fear of the Lord is important, and it's shown to be so by the number of times it is repeated throughout scripture. Now, I'm gonna be honest. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't read it. English is a struggle for me, so I don't speak any other things. But I have a secret, and that secret is Strong's Concordance, and it has a Hebrew dictionary. And in that dictionary, this word fear, Looked up in this verse is the Hebrew word year all, which means reverence or dreadful, exceedingly fearful. Based on, on that alone, it seems that we've got a couple of meanings. We read that Luther struggled with this, and he distinguished them by servile and filial fear. Servile fear in this case is a fear of punishment. And phileo fear, in this case, can be looked at as the fear of offending or of even disappointing based on reverence and awe. As a young child, I feared my parents. They loved me, and because they loved me, they disciplined me. So they had the power to reward, and they had the power to punish. And that was servile fear and it changed my behavior. But as I grew older, I loved my parents and respected them more. And those feelings caused me to not want to disappoint them or embarrass them or hurt them or harm the family name. And that was more of a filial fear, which also had the power to change my behavior. So we see that that both of these definitions of fear could potentially alter our behavior And in many cases, both are are valid. Uh, For example, if you're out walking on a trail and a bobcat jumps out, you're insane not to be afraid. But as soon as that bobcat goes away and the situation has changed, things kind of go back to normal and you've got a really good story. Fear that causes you to be alert and to protect those that you love is good. As we look at this verse, we see both servile and filial fear and how they apply to God. After all, God is infinite, and we're finite. God is omniscient, transcendent, holy, immutable, and the list goes on and on, and we are none of these. That's something to be feared. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10:28. And do not fear those who can kill the body and not kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So being afraid of God is legitimate. But is that the only intended meaning in this verse? Is that even the primary meaning in this verse? I don't think that there's a, a dichotomy here. I think it's a, a both-and. Let's remember that all scripture is inspired by God, written by human hands with the inspiration of, the, of God through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what we really want to know is what the author, God himself, wants us to know. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. If there is a beginning, then there's usually a continuation and and we seem to see that we're affected by servile fear, but in most cases, something that is momentary and and based on our situation. I think that we see that if this is only, if this is the only or primary fear, it could lead to a works-based relationship. So if this fear is the beginning of something that continues and leads on to something else, then then the meaning is likely to be something much more. The reverential awe of the Lord is the beginning. Of what? John Gill said, by the fear of the Lord is not meant a servile fear, a fear of punishment, of hell, wrath, and damnation which is the effect of the first work of the law upon the conscience. But phileo fear, and supposes knowledge of God as Father, of his love and grace in Christ, particularly of his forgiving love, from whence it arises. It is holy, humble, fiducial fear of God, a reverential affection for him, and a devotion to him. It includes the whole of religious worship, both internal and external all that is contained in the first table of the law and the manner of performing it and principle of acting this is the first of all sciences to be learned and it is a principal one it is based it is the basis and foundation of all the rest on which they depend it is the head and the fountain the root and source from whence they spring. And unless, unless man knows God, knows God in Christ and worships him in fear, in spirit, in truth, according to the revealed will, he knows nothing as he ought to know. And all knowledge will be of no avail and profit to him. This is the first and chief thing in spiritual and evangelical knowledge, and without which... Natural knowledge will signify nothing. Our verse says that fools despise wisdom. I can't answer for all of you, but being a fool is not one of my goals. Although years ago I had a a friend that worked in a very secular industry in a particularly secular company And one day, he was witnessing to a coworker, and she looked at him and said, you're a fool. To which he replied, you're going to be a fool for somebody. I'll be a fool for Jesus. And you know, y'all, a fool for Jesus will not despise wisdom or instruction. What we see in this verse is called antithetical parallelism. This was a device used in Hebrew poetry, and what it does is show two opposing ideas together in order to show the contrast. Here we see that the fear of, the God, of God is the beginning of knowledge, or that a wise person fears, reveres, obeys the Lord, and a fool despises the Lord's instruction and really can't be told what to do. But we have a choice, don't we? We can choose to fear and revere and hold God in awe, or we can choose not to. We live in times when we're told to fear a lot of things and we've really always had the capacity to fear stuff. But we have the choice to fear God or something else in the place of God himself. Proverb 1 and 33 through 33. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they did not accept my advice. They disdainfully rejected every rebuke from me. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own schemes. For the faithlessness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them but whoever listens to me will live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. In our modern culture, we're taught that that fear is a virtue. Aristotle said that courage is the first virtue because it makes all the other virtues possible. Scripture teaches us to fear God, not man, not things, not circumstances. And if we get these right, our lives are going to be much better. We see that there are benefits to this fear. Our verse 1 7 says it's the beginning of knowledge. This is knowledge of God Himself. It's an understanding of His holiness, of His power, of His beauty, of His grace, etc. And as we get this knowledge, we grow in our love for him. To know him is to love him. This is not about knowing that he exists or knowing facts about him. We've been discussing in Sunday school with Andy that that kind of knowledge is just futile. If we look at Romans 1, 21 and 22, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings and senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. What else happens when we fear the Lord? Let's look at some of the other verses where the Hebrew word, your awe, is used. Job 1.1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. So we turn away from evil. Job 28.28 enforces that, saying, And to mankind he said, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Another example would be Nehemiah 5, verses 9 and 15. So I said, this which you are doing is not good. Should I not walk in the fear of our God because of the taunting of the nations, our enemies? But the previous governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people, but I did not do this because I fear my God. What else? Well, life. Proverbs 10:27: "The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Confidence and a place of refuge. Proverbs 14:26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge and peace. Not peace like Miss America wanting world peace, but real internal peace and contentment. Proverbs 15:16, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with the treasure. What about humility? We recognize who God is and who we are, what he's capable of, and what we are. Proverbs 15:33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Maybe an example of this would be good right now. A dear friend, and you'll know who you are in a moment, sent me a text a few days ago with the reference to Exodus 33. And it happened that I was working on this and found that timing just very encouraging. Exodus 33, 13 and 18, Moses speaking. Now then, if I have found favor in your sight in any way, please let me know your ways so that I may know you in order that I might find favor in your sight. Then Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Moses, who was known as a humble man. Numbers 12 says, Now this man Moses was very humble, more than any person on the face of the earth. This humble man made this bold request because he wanted to know God. His fear and awe wanted to know more. He couldn't get enough. And God says to him, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness in thousands, for thousands who forgives wrongdoing violations of his law and sin yet he by no means leave guilty the guilty unpunished inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations one more time the lord the lord god compassionate and merciful slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth who keeps faithfulness for thousands who forgives wrongdoing violations Of his law and sin isn't that a God we want to know and all who has described himself in that way so practically speaking what are the results of fearing God or more importantly what are the results the negative part of it what are the results of fearing something else Paul David Tripp, in his book, Dangerous Calling, says that there are a few fears that will completely debilitate us. The fear of self. Essentially, we're trying to do things in our own flesh, and then we realize our shortcomings. If we look at Gideon in the book of Judges, God called Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. The angel of the Lord told Gideon that he was with him and that he was a valiant warrior. And how did Gideon reply? But he said to him, O Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. Gideon's problem, like ours, is that he took his eyes off of God and started looking at himself and his frailties. It's times like this when we need to concentrate and look at God, who is with us and who is absolutely able. Then there's the fear of others. Often, we're very concerned with what other people think. And if we look at Galatians 2.11 and following, Paul says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to, coming, prior to the coming of some men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and separate himself fearing those from the circumcision, the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by the hypocrisy. Even Peter was susceptible. We teach our children about the perils of peer pressure, and yet we fall victim to it ourselves. And we see that sometimes we can become so concerned with what other people think, it affects our witness. If we remain in reverent awe of God and with biblical accountability, we'll keep on the narrow path. And I don't want to just pick on Peter, but if we see what happened when Jesus was arrested, Peter feared men and he denied Christ. But y'all, that could easily happen to any one of us, and before we go condemning Peter, let's evaluate our own hearts. Because without the proper reverence for God, we could easily go to that same place under less strenuous circumstances. This is something that we need to decide in advance, who we're gonna fear. This is not something that we decide in the spur of the moment when we're in the situation. This is a decision that has to be made in advance. Another definition of this servile fear, or servile fear, is the need to please others. People pleasing is a fear of other people. Then there is a fear of our condition. You know, we aren't always in as much control of our situation as we either want to be or believe that we are. Sometimes things happen and it just goes off script and we tend to go to fear. Isn't it odd that we can trust God to keep the world spinning on its axis around the sun and yet at the same time we have difficulty trusting him with our daily situations? You know, I've heard it said oftentimes that if we can get past the very first phrase in the Bible, in the beginning God, our faith journey is pretty easy. But getting to the point where in the beginning God, that's all there is, that's all that's needed, sometimes is a tough journey. If we look at Abram and Sarai, God had promised Abram more descendants than the sands of the sea, and the stars in the sky. But Sarai was well past childbearing years. And what we find is Abraham and Sarai were surrounded by circumstances. They've got the promises of God, and they've got human physiology, and they're stuck right dab in the middle of it. And what happened? Abraham and Sarai Feared their condition or circumstances. They doubted God. And in doing so, they sinned. And Ishmael was conceived. So, how do we go about fearing God properly and not fearing other things? First, we must know Him as Savior. We can't have the kind of knowledge and fear of God if we don't know him. We can have more knowledge than anyone in the world and not know him, and it's an absolute waste. And as David mentioned earlier, we recognize there might be people here today that don't know him. But you do know fear. If that's you, please see one of us after. Please. Second thing we can do is to recognize that God is loving, merciful, and forgiving. And He is also holy, just, and righteous. And we need to understand and know God's character. If God's character is not loving, not merciful, not forgiving, not holy, not just, and not righteous... Then servile fear is completely appropriate we need to accept that his purity his perfection and his separation causes him to judge sin and our fear of God is appreciating his character we need to be in awe of his holiness and power Psalm 33 8 and 9 Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood firm. When the reality of God's true nature causes us to fall down in worship, then we're in the appropriate position to gain wisdom. And wisdom is simply seeing the world and life and all things from God's perspective and then acting appropriately in response. And we need to respect His majesty and honor Him. We need to be grateful for the mercy He's shown to us so generously. Now, up to this point, we've been talking mainly about fear, but the verse goes on, and it talks about wisdom and knowledge, and, and what we're going to gain. Godly wisdom is from God and honors God. Godly wisdom starts with the fear of God and results in a holy life. Godly wisdom means we dis, we, we strive to see life from God's perspective and act accordingly. Whereas, worldly wisdom, on the other hand, is not concerned with honoring God, but with pleasing and honoring oneself. With worldly wisdom, we may become educated or street smart and have common sense. And that is only good to play the world's game successfully. We are not of this world. We want godly wisdom, as stated before, because it's from God and it honors God. And practically speaking, it makes life better in many ways and prepares us for an eternity with Him. We've seen what a head full of knowledge and facts can do to people without this kind of wisdom. Wisdom includes knowing what to do with knowledge. Wisdom is applying knowledge to your specific situation. May be best explained in Colossians 1, 9, and 10. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom in understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Isn't it interesting that this fear that we were speaking about leads us to wisdom? And then that wisdom leads us to want more of the fear that drove us to the wisdom and knowledge. We're taught that conquering fear Is the way we ought to live really we should embrace it because it's precisely that fear that leads us to the knowledge that keeps us coming back to the source that source is God himself so finally what happens when we apply this verse and fear God as we're directed and we become wise we become obedient we will want to know and learn his commands because they both please him and are best for us deuteronomy 5:29 if only they had such a heart in them to fear me and keep all my commandments always so it would go well with them and their sons Forever. In Psalm 112, 1, blessed is the person who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. If we delight in his commandments, we're going to obey him. We teach our children. Really, we would teach anyone that we care about. And who does that not include? Who are we not to care about? We would teach and train them to love God and to hate sin. This will come out of the overflow of His great love for us. As we fear Him, we learn and experience His love even more. And you know, as an added bonus... If they become wise, then life gets a lot easier for all of us. Deuteronomy 4 and 10. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may have them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, that they may teach their children. And we would grow in sanctification or being made holy. Our fear of God will drive us into the word. We'll grow in our love and want to hear everything we can about him and from him. He's the one of our affections. This will compel us to hate evil because he does. We will apply God's word to our daily lives. And as John the Baptist requested in John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. Y'all, that's been my prayer for a long time. There's still too much of me and too little of him. He must increase and I must decrease. We will worship with our whole heart. Those who truly know him and his wondrous attributes will revere and hold him as awesome and cannot help but worship him. Psalm 23, 22, 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All ye descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all ye descendants of Israel. And at the end, an angel will proclaim the gospel. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. And I saw an angel flying in the midheaven with an eternal gospel to preach, the, to, preach to those who live on the earth. To every nation, tribe, language and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him Glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. And we will have humble confidence. Our confidence will no longer be in ourselves, but it will be in God eternal. Humility is the right reckoning of who we are in the presence of a holy God acts 9 and 31 the church throughout Judea Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up as it continued in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit it kept increasing Proverbs 1 and 7 again the fear of of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction i say to you this morning that the god whom we serve is worthy he is worthy of our fear he is worthy of our reverence he is worthy of our love he is worthy of our all so, as we summarize, we can choose to fear God or really fear something else. But the way we're hardwired, we're going to fear something. Let's look again, real quick, at the question I asked you at the beginning What gives you awe? Sunrise or sunset? Oceans or mountains? art, music or visual, a walk in the woods or nature, or even the nerdy stuff like the fact that our lungs breathe and our hearts beat and our brains process information without any effort on our own part. As we look at this list, aren't all of these things either created by God or ordained by God himself? So our choice really is to fear and worship and revere the creator or what he created. And this, like all decisions, has consequences. Y'all, would you pray with me? Father, we bow our heads humbly. We thank you that you have given us your word. Father, we thank you that you are a God that we can easily revere. We can easily worship. We can easily hold in awe because you're holy. You're just. Father, we don't have to fear you because you're capricious, but Father, you are faithful. You are always faithful. And Father, for that, we hold you in great respect and honor. Father, we ask that you help us to get this right in our lives. Father, that we would fear you properly. Father, that that would uh, replace any fear that we have of ourselves, of others, or of our situations and conditions. Father, we thank you. We pray these things in the strong and powerful name of Christ Jesus. Amen.